Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Solution Podcast. Woo, woo. Wow. (laughs) Wow, you are pitiful. One week is Tom's the Train and now you sound like Herbie. All right, you know what? I sound like what? Herbie. Oh. You don't remember Herbie? Herbie. You don't know Herbie the little bug that went, ugh, we can't have this conversation. Herbie the love bug? The little Volkswagen bug? Yeah. You don't know him. Herbie was more like, (laughs) yeah, right. Beep, beep. Um, How are you today? It's great to see you. And you? You know, always wonderful, as best as, as best as I can be. See, that's why I don't ask him, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you want the answer, you get all of it. You know, it's good to see that you behave today. Let's try that. I behave always if I knew what a behave was. Correct, because let me tell you something. At your age, you should be ashamed. <laughs> He'll be buried in the backyard. Oh. We're right next to a cemetery. <laughs> don't look there. Oh, my gosh. In fact, we thought we heard voices in here a while ago. Listen, so the podcast ends suddenly, you know why. <laughs> Poltergeist. Listen. Well, listen, you know, we're going to have a great conversation today. Um, but we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Um, today is... Don't talk about me like that. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Hey, I didn't say it. You yeah, thought you it. Did. <laughs> you, you know, There's I. There's only you and me in this I, room. Oh wait, it was a poltergeist. You know Never what? Mind. I have had it. What you say? <laughs> Listen, today is um, January thirtieth. Um, it's Thursday, and unfortunately, um, several days ago, we lost a huge sports icon. Um, along with eight other individuals in a terrible, tragic accident. Um, We learned that uh, Kobe Bryant, um, his daughter, Gianna, uh, and seven other individuals lost their life in a terrible helicopter um, incident that was unexpected and really has impacted individuals globally um so we you know it's a tough conversation it really is a tough conversation to have um you know circumstances like this really put into perspective um individuals lives um time love um and just community because it's unfortunate that so many people can come together um, over the loss of someone. So, Well, did you see the, I forget, first of all, I'm not a big sports fan, but I am very familiar with who Kobe Bryant is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stadium that they... Um, was it the Staples Center? Was okay, it, was that, that was it, yeah. yeah. I couldn't remember the name of it. Um, they had that day um, lit up. And mm-hmm. all the people um, in Los Angeles and the surrounding areas were all there chanting, uh, was it Kobe thanks, thanks Kobe, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really moving to see thousands of people crowding the front of that stadium. And they, um, and they referred to it the stadium that Kobe built. Yeah. Um, I mean, he 
so he was with the Lakers, uh, if I'm correct, the entirety of his career, which spanned it 20 years. Um, so Los Angeles has a huge, huge connection with Kobe Bryant. Well, and he, I watched that night, and it's on Netflix. That's where I caught it. ABC did a, a tribute special to him with Robin Roberts, mm-hmm. Michael Strahan, and I'm sorry I didn't get the guy's name from ESPN. Mm-hmm. They did a combined memorial show, um, and they they were talking to his first coach. Um, he started at 17 years old, and this coach had taken him under his wing because they had to drive him to practice and stuff him and his son because he was he didn't have a driver's license mm-hmm. he had never driven he came out of philadelphia well you know in philadelphia you don't need a driver's license because you can uh pretty much walk everywhere right and so the guy said you know here he is being a sign on straight out of high school and he wasn't even old enough to sign his own contracts right so um, that unfortunate circumstance took place on uh, a few days ago, Sunday the 26th, I believe. It was. Um, and so it's just been news after news after news for days. I expect it to continue, honestly. Um, it, it, his legacy will be lifelong, but you know, this grieving and this mourning will take place weeks, and I think even until he's buried. Um, um, and we don't want to neglect um, the other individuals that lost their life um, during this accident as well. Um, so it was Kobe, his daughter Gianna. Um, there was a family of three, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, and Alyssa Altabelli. If I'm correct, they were also um, parents who um, were um, a part of Kobe's league, which was called uh, Mamba. And the young lady, Alyssa, was a friend of Giannis who was also playing. Uh, one of the, I think the coach was Christina Maurer. Um, there's Sarah Chester, Peyton Hes- Chester, who I also believe were a part of his team. Um, and then the pilot, who is Ara Zabayan. So at the end of the day, um, these nine people lost their lives tragically. It is devastating. You never want to see someone's life in so soon before they have a chance to experience and, it. And an entire family. An entire family. The mother, the father, and their daughter. Mm-hmm. They... And I think there was one sibling of theirs. I think they had a bro- she had a brother, the other uh, young lady. And I think, if I remember correctly, Lord, I hope I'm getting that information correct. I think there was a brother. And, you know, So that's just that's devastating because these people have families that they're leaving behind. You know... My heart goes out to Kobe's wife, Vanessa. Um, it, it's really unimaginable to have to think of losing not only a loving husband, but to lose a 13-year-old child. Um, I do not wish that on anyone. I really send my love, prayer, anything that I can offer to all of those families, uh, specifically, though, to Vanessa, because that is unimaginable emotion. So um, we really do send our condolences here from the Real Solution podcast. Um, at the end of the day... Um, you can mourn these people. Their lives are in the public eye, and we see them. We've grown up with Kobe. Um, I'm about to be 26, so I have been uh, aware of Kobe's history almost my entire life. So, um, 
Well, he he had he had an excellent athletic career. He did. Um, he won how many NBAs? Uh, I think he got a total of what, five championships. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has the record for scoring the most points in a game, mm-hmm. 81 points. And I want to say that his final game, the night he announced his retirement, he scored 69 yeah, points. Yeah, I know that was high. Um, yeah, so he's had an amazing sports career. What's uh, great about Kobe's career also is that Kobe came around at a time where the digital age was peaking. So he, being young himself, also got to maneuver his sports world into the more modern and digital world as well. So the TV shows and some music appearances. And he got to not just be a sports icon. He got to put him uh, put himself in other positions also. And, you know, for some of these athletes, I mean, he's been with Jimmy Fallon. He's been with Ellen, you know. How many athletes are you finding who get to have these kind of conversations on TV shows and things like that? You know, most of them live their sports life and move on, but he was able to have an impact in what he did. Um, So, you know, we say all that to kind of transition into today's topic, because um, at the end of the day, Kobe uh, exemplified a enormous amount of leadership. Um, And that's what we want to cover today because leadership covers numerous areas in an individual's life. Um, And it's not just a one-time thing. It's not an overnight thing. It's not something you get one try. It is developing and it's always continuous. And to see people make an active engagement in leadership in whatever realm they're in and for them to continue it. Um, really speaks volume, whether that's in the workplace, whether that's in an educational environment, whether that's in politics. um, Leadership really does play a vital role in uh, someone's path. Um, So we want to touch on that. You know, I'll be referencing um, a wonderful article from CNN talking about Uh, numerous aspects of leadership uh, specifically that came from Kobe's own mouth um, in his own words. So that's that's the objective for today. Um, Well, let's cover leadership. Let's let's start with the basics. Let's give a let's see what our good old definition of leadership is, because sometimes we think we know what something is. The Associated Press may have a real definition for what something is. <laughs> so let's let's try to break it down. You know, it's always good to see. Um, wow, I really wish I could spell because I wanted to bring up definition of leadership and I typed in my college And I website. had it pulled up. However, <laughs> I'm suffering technical issues here. Of course. <laughs> Who's surprised? <laughs> Me. I I'm honestly no. Prepared let's one. be very clear because so y'all can't see it, but the laptop just went off and I we were both looking at each other like what just happened? And I told it to re, to not to restart Jeez. and it decided to do it all on its own with a million updates. Hmm. Um but so our good little Google search today for leadership And a noun, the action of leading a group of people or an organization. I think that's very vague. More to come. (laughs) The state or position of being a leader. The leaders of an organization, country, etc. So, uh, these first two are giving you the perception of the physical act of leading. 
follow me in the physical form, the action of leading a group of people organization. Now, I did say that one was very vague because that could be used in many different forms. How are you leading? Are you leading in this way? Are you leading in that way? Um, well, and leadership takes on different forms, too. Absolutely. You know, leadership is by title. Mm, correct. You know. By um, action. And then it's by action and example. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I think that through Kobe's career, he did both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I know I, I watched the special on Netflix that was, I think they're ABC, I can't remember now. Um, but they talked about how he and Shaquille O'Neal were really good friends. They had really bonded, and they had taken the team to several... Uh, championships Mm -hmm. well at the end of one season um, they traded Shaquille O'Neal and that kind of catapulted or opened the door for Kobe to become the leader of the team absolutely and kind of be the ringleader and and he did it with with a lot of grace you know you didn't hear a lot of bad things I measure how decent someone is by how much you hear about them in the media in a negative light. Right. Um, there was only one time in his life um, that that really came out to be negative, and all of that was kind of put in the back corner because I don't know that there was a lot of merit to it. Yeah, and I don't know the specifics behind those circumstances, but I don't know much about that because I don't think, like you said, there was enough merit for that kind of uh, assumption. And usually you hear about, if somebody has got that kind of a reputation, um, you hear about that a lot. Yeah, um, some sort of history of it. Well, or Dennis Rodman, <laughs> let's, let's think yeah. about that, you know, and some of your other, but some of your really classy basketball stars, and there have been several, Absolutely. you know, Michael Jordan, Magic mm-hmm. Johnson, um, and uh, going way back, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. I always have to stop because I never can say it right. <laughs> um, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. You know, these are guys that you see that gave a lot back for what they received. And I love the thing that um, Kobe had written a letter to the city of Los Angeles. Mm. Have you read that? I have not. Um, It was really about thanking them and and talking about his journey. Because when he got to Los Angeles, he was a kid. Right. He was 17. He grew up there. Yeah. Yeah. but and I may be paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me because of my lovely laptop. Um, <laughs> Don't you just love technology? But he said, you know, he thanked them for everything that he felt he had gotten so much more from them than he had given to them, and so he was a really humble guy. Um, and I loved seeing the pictures with him and his daughter. Yeah. Gianna was very much following his footsteps mm-hmm. with basketball, and he became a big advocate for women's basketball. Correct. You know, you would hear the stories of they say that Kobe should have a son. You know, they need someone to follow in his footsteps and follow his legacy. And um, oftentimes his daughter Gianna would say, well, that's where I come in. Um, I'm here to step in for that, you know. So that lets you know just a little bit of 
what type of uh, parenting style he might have had to say, you know what, I can lead this young lady. That doesn't have to be a son in my 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 back, my field, um, to continue on my legacy. I can have someone else. So we love seeing the photos for sure of, of it. I mean, you could tell they were so into each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. There were, there were snapshots of them or videos of them talking and really he's explaining things to her and you can see she's answering and he's really proud of the fact that she she gets it she mm-hmm. understood and it, it very it's a very sad thing for us to have lost both of them correct you know i am a, a child being taken away so soon to not be given the opportunity to experience life and what it can bring um that's always the heartbreaking part um and not sure how the rest of the world may think and feel, but, you know, on my end, you know, I definitely believe the, the Lord knows what he's doing, you know. so He's got a plan. He's and got he a plan. apparently needed them both. You know, and, you know, that, that sweet child, there may be a, a, a better moving on for her. So... We just really continue to keep um, our thoughts and prayers and all of our condolences to all those families, but continuing with our leadership conversation because um, they definitely both exemplified that, um, Kobe and Chiana. Well, um, Kobe actually, aside from basketball, mm-hmm. he got into other things. He was, you know, women's basketball. He promoted that quite a bit. He was actually coaching that team Correct. that they were on their way to play with. Yes. Um, but he also won an Oscar. Really? Yeah. He um, did an animated short category, and I was amazed. I had seen this back, apparently, when this was popular when he first did it, um, and I didn't realize it until I saw they played it mm. during this uh, show on uh, ABC, it was a little, it's a cartoon of, it, it kind of mimics Kobe's life about how all he thought about was basketball and things like that. But he actually won um, an Oscar for it, and it was called Dear Basketball, and it was based on a poem he wrote mm-hmm. in 2015 announcing his Super. impeding retirement mm-hmm. from basketball. So it was kind of a short that... Went along with it. Yeah, gotcha. that played in move, going forward to his retirement. Gotcha. Awesome. That's so lovely. Um, I mean, so that's clear how his his skills transition beyond basketball, beyond the sports realm. And I think some of your best leaders are your humble leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was one of those. He always thanked his wife and his children. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew three languages. Wow. Actually, I found out it was really four. Um, it was English, Italian, Spanish, and he was delving a little bit into, I think it was Chinese. Wow. So he was in. He stayed educated. He did, um, and that's actually one of the components that we'll actually talk about in regards to his leadership is reinventing yourself. Uh, that doesn't mean become a new person. That doesn't mean change who you are. It's always the growth and improvement. Um, 
because a good leader is never perfect, never all knowing. Um, it's always the continuation. Um, so speaking of, you know, I kind of threw out a couple areas in regards to leadership, such as like your work environments and like educational environments, uh, political arenas. Can you think of any other areas where leadership may come into play besides those three? Just curious. <laughs> Um, Besides the laptop going off. <laughs> it's dying. It says it's going to restart several times, so I can't count on it's, it. You know, that's that Thank PC. Goodness for my, my that's that PC iPhone. stuff. I always got to update, you know, a good MacBook. <laughs> it, just, it just crashes. <laughs> um, you said work. I said work environment, educational environments, political environments. Uh, your celebrities try to take that into account too. Um, so leadership and lifestyles. Mm -hmm. Okay, absolutely. Not that we always should follow them, but hey. Well, I mean, but that considering how they're in the public eye, you some of their behaviors and absolutely. And sometimes leadership is not always good. <laughs> I mean, look Can at. Can you some, give me an example? Um. Well. Let's just talk about Donald J. Trump. <laughs> well, touche. He's, he's a touché. leader, and he is leading, and he has a lot of people following him. So is he a leader just by definition of position, or is he truly a leader? He is truly a leader, unfortunately, at times. Okay. I mean, that's what catapulted him, I think, into the political realm, because he was a businessman. A very popular businessman, despite filing bankruptcy multiple times. I was going to say a very poor one. But <laughs> well, and as my husband tries to convince me, that's <laughs> the people under him. Mm. And I said, I can get that a little bit. Slightly. But maybe you're not putting the right people in the right place. Or you've let things get out of, of control. control or yeah. out too, too big, too fast. Right. I, I don't know. You don't have a good grasp on things. Yeah. yeah. But he has the power of speech, and unfortunately, he tends to use his words poorly. Mm-hmm. He's a leader, but there are times he's a bully. Yeah. And I, I laugh because I usually call him the the kid bully on the playground. Because <laughs> <laughs> the temper tantrums. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. That was good. Any other areas that you can think of? Oh, maybe as we go. Okay. Well, you know, let's... I'm going to just dive right into it. A lot of these are going to be quotes from Kobe himself. I mean, we'll kind of peek around which specific areas that they come into. You know, and even then, some of, just taking those three, let's even start with those three. Work environment, leadership, educational leadership political leadership does leadership start though as something that you develop in or instill into a child early both mm. uh, there are some children that are born with that charisma mm. that people just follow yes and then there are others who have to develop it i think i was both in all seriousness, <laughs> I think I was both. I could smooth talk you through anything and get what I wanted. 
But I definitely had a wonderful parent teach me you have to exhibit skills and move forward. You can't just rely on the fact that you can smile and blink your eyes and someone thinks you're a snap. So um, I, I do say that in all seriousness. So, I mean, very valid. So I was, I was not born as a leader, I don't think. I, I had to develop mine. Now, mind you, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, <laughs> but when I was young, even younger than you, women still had issue right. in the workplace. Gotcha. And I can still remember my father was in construction. He owned his own construction company. So I witnessed leadership um, in a lot of respects from him. Um but I was also put off by him because he was—he would not teach me the construction business. No, that's not a woman's job. Women don't have any business being mm. out on a construction site. Wow. And so he wouldn't teach me those things. So it pissed me off. And <laughs> so I built my strengths in the opposite area with education and office and you know, with my mind rather than just being out on a construction site. Did you, did it happen pretty early on, your leadership? Because I can tell you, so just from my time with this one over here (laughs) (laughs) and um, just her articulation, her past experiences, I, and even working directly with her, let's be clear, was able to see your level of leadership. So, like, did that, has that been ever progressing? Did you get it, like, really early on and just have it? Did it happen, like, when you had kids? I I think I developed it in middle school going into high schools when I started. Because I used to be, I was severely shy. Mm. I I couldn't have led I couldn't have led applesauce down the street. <laughs> I'm telling you, I I just wouldn't talk to people. But I came to realize that if I spoke up and I made sense to people, people listened. Mm-hmm. And so I had to really pull myself out of my shell and then people wanted to put me back in it Hmm. Uh, because then I became overly blah 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 (laughs) kind of like I do now Um, but I had to learn and then I and then I'm the redhead for a reason very much so (laughs) Um, you know I have I have the patience 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 but once you cross that line with me it's done right and I can get so mad that I I feel like I'm losing control. And so in my late teens, early 20s, my mouth got me into trouble a lot. So this leadership thing goes hand in hand with learning to control your own. And I think Donald Trump has not learned that or he has he just likes negative attention. I found I did not like that. Um, so I've realized if I wanted to get somewhere, I had to find a balance. I can't fly off the handle just because you make me mad. I have to, and that's where I learned to sit back and listen. 
even as much as I talk, and I talk a lot, so guess how much I listen. <laughs> um, but when I first, you know what, first enter a room with people, I don't talk a lot. Mm-hmm. I evaluate everybody in the room. I'm right there with you. And at what level I think they are. And that's when I determine, and when they say first impressions can be everything, they're not kidding. Um, because in that first encounter where I listen to everybody, I determine who I'm more compatible with. Right. And I learned something as a leader, the way you become the strongest of leaders is you surround yourself with the people who are similar but have stronger traits that are opposite of yours. Hmm. So it's safe to say that leadership has a very fine line between professional and personal. I, I, I believe that. Okay. Um, I'm right there with you as far as first impressions. I, I'm very, I sit in the corner and observe. Um, and that's just because it's good to gauge and see where everyone else levels are. Who's speaking, who's not speaking, who's taking charge, who's not taking charge. Now, see, I... Who's full of crap and who's not. <laughs> yes. I mean, you really have to do because mm-hmm. there, you see who's got their snow, their snow shovels out. Mm-hmm. I was a charmer for years. I could just smile and those nice... <laughs> and those nice warm eyes. I was very outgoing. But I quickly learned because I had those traits and was still a badass kid. <laughs> so I had to learn, uh, your charm ain't going to get you everywhere if you're acting like an ass. <laughs> I had to learn. There you go. And I was, taught very, I, I was taught very early. Actually, it happened. I ain't going to lie. It happened until, probably until I went to college. <laughs> I was still being taught um, that you can't go off the handle because you know <laughs> my mother loves to talk about me <laughs> because i'm very closely related to Medea. she first asks questions later okay you ask about old brandon i can attest to that <laughs> still <laughs> you ask about old brandon we're not asking questions pop off let's go you know and so i had to rein that in i was still being taught and <laughs> Guided through that you can't always do that and expect to get these leadership traits or perks or positions or be held to a leadership standard, which is what I sought out because it was no longer about being the charmer and impressing. It's I need you to know what I possess value wise, which is a form of leadership or a trait. Um, And so I wasn't getting anywhere. And it was like, no, you have to be you have to be able to provide something. And so I was thankful I learned that early on. I did learn it now. It went in ins and outs. I, yeah, ins and outs, because some, some years were good, some years were, hey, who are you? Um, but I could articulate very well. I could make clear sentences, uh, clear statements, clear impressions, um, and even to this day, that takes it with me. So, you know, I'm very proud of myself by the fact that I was 19 with my first HR job. How many people do you know like that? I was proud of that because I was able to exhibit those leadership skills in the position that I was in, which was retail. 
Um, so I do take, I hold that deal with me because I'm like, you don't find too many people. One, someone gave me the opportunity, but even then you don't find too many at that stage. You're capable of doing this, you know? So at 22 going out for HR business partner jobs, it was not uncommon for me, you know? So, you know what my first job was? Well, I guess it, you would classify my scamming position. I knew you was a scammer. Oh, worse than that. <laughs> I, first of all, I was too young and I lied on my application. Mm -hmm. And by the time they realized that <laughs> I had turned 16. So I got lucky. But um, I started out as a telemarketer and I really sucked at it. Mm. But I showed up to work every day and I had a really positive attitude and I really tried. And so my boss said, why don't you come with me? And she took me up to this other office and I talked to the lady and she said, yeah, we'll give her a try. It was for being a bill collector. <laughs> I had to collect off waterless cookware from college students that these salespeople scammed. Wow. And so like six months. They don't make that Tupperware like they used to. Well, no, no, this was real cookware it was when they first started with teflon mm, non-stick okay. gotcha. so you only had to put like a tablespoon or two of water in them gotcha. to cook and food didn't stick and all that it's a big selling point and these salesmen <laughs> would say you know what for two big macs a month you just avoid two big macs and you can make the price of the payments on this okay it never works with college kids it does not but so that's where I started to learn how to talk in a business. Here I am. I've never been in the business world. I couldn't sell these things. But they put me in to collect, and I did pretty well at it. And that's where I started to develop some of my leadership skills. You have to carry yourself in a certain manner mm -hmm. to be able to confront somebody about uh an outstanding late bill. <laughs> well, you got that right. You have to. So speaking of business world, let's talk about work environment leadership. So is that just... Do you know that there's really 12 leadership styles? I don't know. Let's hear them. Um, let's see. Autocratic. What is that? Centered on the person in charge. Hmm. democratic, everyone participates in making decisions, strategic leadership creates habits for a high-performance organization, transformational leadership, which is specifically geared towards initiating change, um, hmm. team leadership, cross-cultural leadership, Facilitative leadership, laissez-faire leadership, transactional leadership, and coaching leadership. Wow. So different styles. 12 different styles. Yeah, but I think some of them overlap each I'm other. I'm sure they do. So I, I'm a democratic leader. I don't know which one I am. I'd have to go through them again. I... I might encompass all of them. You never know. Oh, you're a compass, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think working with you at our day job mm -hmm. and then here 
I think you probably are more like a strategic leader. You create habits for high performance organization. Sometimes you're transformational, <laughs> specifically geared towards initiating change. Oh, yes. Fair but then you're also, when you go into the other ones, and they didn't have definitions, you know, with your day job, you're facilitative, you're coaching. Right. So. Probably characteristics of all of those. Um, so in the business realm and in a work leadership, is that just something geared to people in higher management? Or is that something you should exhibit on like a frontline associate position? Well, I'm... I believe that it's no matter where you're always going to have those people that exude that charisma, mm -hmm. that thing that makes people follow you. Okay. Now I did, I was the call center manager for a call center in a very large hotel in Nashville. Um, and when I got my first assistant as the manager, um, he came on and, um, love you, Bob, if you ever hear this. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Bob. He, uh, well, he came on, he was young, he was really passionate, he really wanted to do a good job. It was his very first management job, and two days in, I sat down with him and like, how's it going? And, and he says, well, I think it's going pretty good. And I said, well, let me give you a little insight what your staff thinks. Mm. You're bossy, you're this, you're demanding, you're this. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, here's the biggest piece of advice I can give you with a leadership position. Get rid of your title. Mm. Because what he was doing was people would ask, well, why are we doing that? Because I'm the assistant manager. Woo. And I said, I get you're proud of that, but you've already got that respect. They all know that you're the assistant manager. Wow. Now you got to learn how to lead them. I said, throwing your title out there is kind of beating them over the head. Mm -hmm. I'm the boss. You're going to listen. What was that autocratic? Mm. <laughs> it's all about you. Yeah. It's all about us. Correct. Ooh. And so he was like, I think wow. I think you're trying to throw a punch at me right now <laughs> in my current circumstances because this yep. is this is legit what my current circumstances are at the, at the office I'm in that's that's what it is and I you know and it's this is who I am and it's do because because I said because so. I said so that's what I, we and the audacity of the manager that I worked with because I brought that up in a meeting. I'll be honest. And because they wanted to point out in my face in public that, well, you and I have worked together in the past and such and such. So I think you know me pretty well. And I said, but it's not about me and you. It's about me and these people and you. We're a team. Mm -hmm. So that is so um, very spot on. Yeah, and so he went back out, and it you know it took him a couple of weeks to to get because you know what when you get your first management job or your first supervisor's job, you're proud of it. Right. You want everybody to know, and I said, but you have to stop and think. 
It's already been announced. They already know who you are. You automatically get people's respect for your title. Now you got to earn it. I had an old GM to tell me that um, he, it's not that he didn't care for a young lady that was under him as one of his, uh, his employees, his leaders, but he believed that leadership was about delegating and that she didn't delegate well. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's relevant? I don't know if you've seen the thing going around on Facebook or not. Um, uh, leaders, gosh, how does that phrase go? Um, leadership is about training your people mm -hmm. to be able to go and leave you mm -hmm. and do other things. Yes. But the great thing about great leadership is that they don't want to leave you. Mm-hmm. You'll stay with somebody through hell and high water for good leadership. My training supervisor and I worked together for 16 years. Mm. We had Thanksgiving dinner together at work every year for that time. And she stayed with me. I had other supervisors that had been with me six, seven years. And in the hotel business, that's almost uncalled uh, unheard of. Yeah. Because it's such a mobile business. Very. Um, but, and I, and I, I'm not tooting my horn, but I am. I am a democratic type of leader. Mm -hmm. I have coaching and all the other stuff in there too. But my big thing is I trained my people on how to keep the big bosses out of our backyard. That's what I used to say. Mm -hmm. um, I had a boss who one time, he's, he, the only time he ever came into our office was when something was wrong, didn't go quite right. And so every supervisor's meeting, they were always complaining, why does he come up here? Why does he only complain? And I said, so fix that, how do we fix it? Well, I don't know, think about it. What is he up here after? He's got certain reports on certain days at certain times and certain functions, and we know what those are. Well, we're falling short because he's getting it as he's walking into a meeting or this or that. And they said, so we just have to get it before. And so the supervisors, knowing what this issue was, made sure that everything that we needed was compiled to put into this report, and it was sent to him 24 hours or more in advance. And it was a few weeks later, we were sitting in a meeting and he goes, man, I need to come, I haven't been to your office for quite some time. And I said, and we like it that way. He was like, what are you talking about? And I said, you have nothing to complain about if you're not in my office. <laughs> and he started laughing, he goes, you're right. And he started to come up to the office just to say hi to the staff. Nice. But you have to train your people. They have to know what their boundaries are. If I'm not here, you're in charge. So there's a responsibility yes. on the leader's side as well. Yes. Awesome. Um, just a quick drift with Kobe on leadership. He says, to be an effective leader, you have to be a really good listener and not to what's being said, but to what's not being said. You have to be really observant. That was a big transition for me. I went from being a scorer and a floor general to being a leader, and that meant putting others first. That means not worrying about are you in rhythm, are you playing well in the game, are you ready to go, to being are they ready. 
what can I do to help them be ready? Uh, you know, and I think that's very critical as far as leadership, especially in the workplace. It's not about you. It's about everyone, you know, under your direction, you know, if that's the circumstance or everyone that's in your association. Um, You're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm -hmm. And people think that's just cliche, but it's true mm -hmm. because it's that one person who doesn't play fair, doesn't play right, or doesn't get it that makes the whole team look bad. Absolutely. So uh, a quick skim over, let's talk about educational leadership. So I think that's obviously, I'm not going to say obviously, well, let's highlight that associated with kids. What are the, the leadership aspects as far as education? Is this the responsibility of the schools? Should they, Is there a level of teaching? Can you teach somebody to be the leader, to be in leadership, to have those skills? I think they or can be some, developed. Uh, that's, that was exactly what I was about to say. Or can they be developed? Uh, immediately when a teacher has a class you're going to identify it's just like your office yeah you immediately identify who is taking charge mm -hmm. who's standing out but then you also have to watch your other people because on your first few days you've got your very outgoing people and just because somebody's outgoing and takes charge does not mean they're always a good leader. Ooh, that was me. Because I could stand out and was making mistakes. Well, and it's okay to make mistakes as a leader. It's also being able to go, oh, you know what? You're right. I am so sorry. How do we fix this? Mm -hmm. um, that's also the sign of a good leader. When you can admit that you've made a mistake or I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And you're able to go back or ask for assistance. That's why I, everything that I, I took my department, literally, when I became the manager, I took it from being the third highest turnover in the company. And in a hotel, you know, your big departments are housekeeping and convention services. Mm -hmm. Heavy turnovers. And we were third behind them. And we were a little department. And in the first two years that I managed the department, we turned it around from the third highest to the third lowest in turnover. I don't attribute that to me. I think that I'm a, a, I'm a good leader, but in the democratic thing, I made everybody else just as responsible yeah. as me. My supervisors, they all knew what the budget was. They knew how much they had to spend on supplies, on labor, on everything. I don't think people understand enough in leadership. They're secretive about that. Oh, we're over budget. Well, what are, what's putting us over budget? How do we control our labor? And when you put your staff in direct control of that, mm -hmm. They, and they have those tools, they know how to manage it. There are, everybody stumbles. So is it, is it imperative for a good leader to communicate information? Yes. Because you'd be surprised, and even in our current line of oh, work, yes. everything's a secret. Yes. You know, and I pointed that out in recent meetings and things like that. If, some, if one of my big bosses from California came and ask what my team's objective is and what work that we're doing in our line of business, I can't answer that. I have no information. And 
is that my responsibility that I don't have that information or the person above me that's leading me, my leader? You know, um, do you think it's interesting that we transition from manager to leadership in some of these new organizations? Well, as far as phrasing. I was kind of going to go back to your education thing, how it plays okay, into yes. this. Okay, yes, we can circle back to that question. Well, only because I think that it starts at the education level. And I don't mean to sound like I'm bashing anybody, but when you go from... Yes, you are. Well, I started <laughs> working in the 70s. Mm. Work ethic and values and morals were much stronger then. Ooh, come on. Let's talk about that. Work ethic, morals, and values. Is that a sum up of leadership? It kind of is. But it's also each of us inherently has some form of leadership in us. Okay. We all have a skill that we're good at. And that's what we try to develop in ourselves. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about education anymore, your education is follow the rules. Mm. Don't step out of the line. Don't color out of the lines. Mm -hmm. Don't. I, I was so disillusioned with education when one of my children, um, and my kids are 19, 21, and 23. So it's not that long ago that they were in school. Mm -hmm. But this one was in elementary school, brought a math assignment home, and my husband is pretty fluent with math. She didn't understand it, so he sat down and helped her. Next day, she comes home with the paper, it's an F. Not because the answer was wrong. The answer was correct. It wasn't showing her work the way they wanted it. And, and my husband and I looked at, we still do not really understand what it was they wanted her to do. Hmm. She worked out the problem and she showed her work and the answer was right, but they said that the way she got there wasn't right. So leadership wise, what does that tell us? I'm, I'm getting that that level of leadership isn't always your way that you can lead or provide leadership to someone through their own way is what I'm getting and it's we don't teach our kids to think for themselves critical thinking is not <laughs> is not is is seen as cliche these days but right. it's still as, as relevant as possible it sh the the teachers should have a curriculum that helps put this into play for kids. You, you know, my kids got bored in school because at home we taught them, mm -hmm. you know, before they ever went to school, not just their alphabet, not just, the, we taught them how to make decisions. Right. You know what? If you're going to touch that hot burner, it's going to burn you. Right. And two days later, they're going back to test it again. And, you know, people say it's cruel to let them do it, but you know what? You have a choice to make. You, you see it's red. You feel it's hot. You've been told that it's going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Once they touch it, guess what? They don't ever do it again. Mm. Sometimes, and, and this trophy, 
for everyone. Come on, participation trophy. You know what? <laughs> so I just watched an episode, I think, in season 18 of Family Guy. <laughs> and Stewie, the, the, he uh, found out all of his trophies were participation <laughs> trophies. He said, I had been deceived my whole life. <laughs> and, but, but we look at the people around you. When you go to work tomorrow, everybody look at the people around you. You can probably count on your two hands how many of those people really think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And even companies today have bought into this. We want you to be responsible. We want you to decide. We want you and then slap the crap out of your hand when you make a mistake. So what I'm getting from that is that sometimes leaders can prevent someone else's leadership skills or prevent them from being exhibited. I think there are leaders out there. and, And I think that society today has a lot of leaders that perpetuate that. It's the domino fear going up. Mm. Because if someone down here makes a mistake, I got to pay for it up here. Well, a good leader sometimes takes that fall. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about that real quick from Kobe. On sacrifice, he says, we all can be masters at our craft, but you have to make a choice. What I mean by this is there are inherent sacrifices that come along with that. Family time, hanging out with friends, being a great friend, being a great son, nephew, whatever the case may be, there are sacrifices that come along with making that decision. So what was my question um, with the, the manager? Oh, the, the, the manager and leadership definition. Because I feel like a lot of these modern organizations or even organizations that have been established are switching from using these phrases of managers and management to leaders and leadership. Do we think, what, what do we think the, stri- the strategic point is behind that? Or if there even is one? Do you think these companies are really trying to embrace the components of leadership? Or are they just trying to make it face value? Face value. Mm. I, I feel a lot of them are face value. I see it every day. And not any one company, the last couple of companies, we just put people in positions. Yeah. I would rather let a position go unfulfilled, vacant, yeah. Rather than to put somebody who's not qualified, not who doesn't exhibit the skills. I was just gonna say that very thing. Because that damages the entire team. And it's a setback in some cases. Oh, yeah. Um, when you've got somebody, I can teach you how to do reports. Oh. I can teach you how to follow a rational thinking. Co- correct. I can help you learn how to troubleshoot. And that's why those problem-solving skills in elementary school at face value. Don't give me this BS of, oh, that's not the way we want you to come up with the answer. What's important today, tomorrow, and next year is the answer. Mm -hmm. Because if the answer's not right, I don't give a damn how you got to it. You can't get to the solution. Mm -hmm. 
And that's some of these kids don't have that ability to problem solve, like the riddles, you know, 12 cats, 10 dogs, a dog eats a cat, how many are left? Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds silly, but you know, you know the jest I'm getting at. Yeah. We don't teach kids that. My daughter and I just had a conversation about tenure. Tenure professors mm-hmm. don't tend to be your best leaders. They do not. Because they think, I got it made. There ain't nothing anybody can do to me. Correct. And she has a, a professor just like that. Touted the first, first day of class. I'm tenured. Been there, done that. And I'm just like, that's not why you're supposed to be greed and self You know, and it starts, early, it starts early with some of them. I had a tenured track professor. And she was my way or no way. You know, now with leadership, especially dealing with, you know, transitioning into the college realm. Well, you can have it my way or no way. You just don't want everyone to think it's that way. Hmm. When I say I'm a democratic leader, I said, okay, here's the problem. This is what you guys are complaining about. How do we fix it? Well, I don't know. That's your job. No, because this is what I've done, and you're not happy with that. I get that. Okay. How do we fix it? Well, it's not my place. That's above, that's above my pay grade. Okay, then go back to your seat, and I don't want to hear anymore. Well, that's not fair. What do you want me to do? This is the process. And then it forces them to go, here's all your criteria. You have to be here on time. You got to take a lunch if you work more than six hours. And you got to leave on time. You have to get your, your number of calls and you have to meet your quality. Now, outside of that, what will make you happier during the day? <laughs> well, I'd rather be able to come in and wear blue jeans or something. We don't ever see the customer. All right, let me see what I can do about that. And then they start to go, oh, I, my department was also one of the lowest paid departments. Well, when I left, they had gone up two or three tiers, almost 18% in what they were making. Now they had to take on more work for that. And what do you do? That That's that leadership thing. You want more money? You do more work. Here's what we gotta do. <laughs> I wish companies it's, nowadays realize that. <laughs> but it's called buy-in. Mm. I wanted to have a strong department. I wanted to have a low turnover rate. Right. And see, turnover was only if people left the organization. If they transferred to another department that's considered a promotion, that's part of your success rate. And we used to tout when somebody would get promoted. Hell, where we're at now, sometimes people are gone for weeks and you go, and then you find out, oh, well, they're working here now. Hmm. Or you get somebody, where'd that person come from? Weren't they in fleet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now they're here. So we... We 
and it's not just this company. A lot of companies are so much more secretive. Right. They think job security in leadership is being the only one that knows. No, yes. I'm the only one that can do. My director used to tell me when I came back from vacation, she goes, you know, this isn't going to sound right, but I didn't even miss you. And I would say, good. That means I'm doing something right. And she goes, you know, you really are right. I have other departments. She said, when the manager is gone, it's mass chaos. She said, your department ran as well as when you're here. Now, there was nobody for meetings or this or that. She said, we couldn't go a long period of time. But she said, they could run autopilot for at least a week, probably two or three. That, to me, is a good leader. Right. When you can walk away and your staff is confident and comfortable and knowledgeable enough to keep the ship running. Mm. So. Here's something on Michael DeCuris. Mm-hmm. He said, for me, it starts with our people. Focus on recruiting the best talent, then inspire people to reach their full potential. Establish a clear vision and then empower the team to lead the company's future growth. That, to me, is the philosophy of a good, strong leader. Bo Jackson, do you know him? I don't know Bo. That sounds familiar. He's obviously sports. Sorry not to offend anybody. (laughs) Um, His was, my personal philosophy on leadership is best described by the relationship between a coach and his players. It is not the job of the coach to put greatness into the players, but rather getting the player to believe that the greatness already exists inside of them. The role of a coach is to reach for a goal with vast challenges, develop the playbook, and invest time and resources in the players so that that greatness emerge, emerges. And that's something I think, a trophy for everyone, we're not developing those skills at a young age. Right, by giving in. Right, there's nothing, there's nothing for them to aspire to. How do you develop those skills when you're not given the opportunity? So education, schooling, grade school and even in college, is basically prime time to develop true leaders. And that's that, what it was supposed to, yes. Okay, just checking in because I felt like it's got to start somewhere, you know. So, Because then we get into adults with no leadership skills. Do you think everyone possesses? My father did not graduate high school. Um, he did get his GED when he was 56 years old. Woo-hoo. So I have to give him that. But he, um, sometimes the school of hard knocks is your education. Mm. His mom came home when he was 13 years old and said, oh, sis and I are going to Florida. I have a job down there. Not you're coming with me. Not, oh, here's where you're going to stay. That was the end of the conversation. So my dad is just like, he didn't know what to do. His father had committed suicide a few years prior to that. So that was a very heavy burden on the family. Mm -hmm. 
my mom is leaving me. What am I going to do? And it was a little easier back then, not easier life per se. Right. He went to a neighboring farm that, that he knew the people that owned it. And he went and talked to them. And he worked on the farm for them for room and board. Well, guess what that meant? No more school. Right. So at 13, he was thrust into... The workforce. An adulthood. My grandfather has an uh, education up to eighth grade, if I'm correct. Nothing beyond that. So they had to develop skills to get ahead. Do we think those, those worth ethic skills develop into other leadership skills? Sure. Okay. I mean, and everybody's, some people just, their mindset is they just, they just want to do and go home. Is everybody meant to be a leader? Not. Because I feel like society has this implication that everyone should. You don't exhibit such behavior. You don't know how to talk to people when that may not be what they're supposed to be. That was one of the things that I'd started to reference before. I can teach you how to do all these things. The thing I can't necessarily teach you, you have to do on your own, Mm -hmm. is that very thing. How do you talk to people? You can you can sell a pig lipstick if you talk to them correctly. Right. When you come off, Miss Piggy loves and, lipstick. She does. <laughs> um, but if you don't talk right, even Miss Piggy's not going to take your lipstick. Right. So I don't think everybody. I think everybody should aspire to be their best. Okay. If that means that you continue to push and develop those skills to be a leader, sometimes people are just leaders where they are. You know, you don't have to be the head of a department or the team leader or a supervisor to lead a team. Sometimes it's just because of your knowledge or your willingness to share things with people or to help people. Absolutely. So So let's garter into... The political realm of leadership. So, oftentimes you hear them referenced as political leaders. Mm-hmm. Is every politician a leader? By virtue of title. That's we go back to title. Hmm. You get the respect because of your title. Now earn it. Do I think I? I there might be three or four. That I'm familiar with. Just three or four? <laughs> and I'm stretching it on ah. a couple of them. I, but in all honesty, we put these people in office. It was really never supposed to be a career. Because we talked about that. Your phrasing was career politicians. And that was very real. That was like a light bulb. And I was like, oh. Because at that point, you've got the wrong interest. Yep. It's now your job, your career, mm-hmm. when... The virtue behind the position is for societal contribution. And it's a position with minimal review. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a job like you and I have where we've got superiors that review the job performance. The biggest job performance review these guys get is come voting time. Uh, it's society. That's the only time they leave. If society says, I don't like you, then that's really when they're like, okay, maybe I need to go. And the sad part there is 
kind of like the way we put people in positions these days, the least of evils. Mm, yeah. You, you're right about that. I don't have a great pool to choose from, so who? Right. Who can we live with the best? <laughs> who can we live with the best? But yeah, no, you're That's A1. our president. A1, yeah. He, he's not in there because he was the most popular, per se. He was just more popular than old Hillary. So, I, you know, I think you got I think that when we go into the discussions in future episodes about public education, that a lot of that's going to come out. I'm sure we've got people who can speak to that. Um, I know some teachers that are, are wanting to come on and talk about the education system these days. Yeah, that'll be a good conversation. I can't wait. You're talking to someone who went to a host of schools and seen a lot of different types of... I always say there's a difference between a teacher and an educator. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. What was he? Hmm. A teacher. First and foremost, his thing was to educate people on what was going on. Mm -hmm. And to be the force... He he promoted civil protesting. Mm -hmm. He wanted violence. Exactly, yes. attack it with knowledge and action, but not negative action. Mm -hmm. And look how many people followed him. It's truly a shame that he was assassinated. Can you imagine how different things would be had he been continue able to continue for even just five more years? Right. I mean, he. It's amazing. And you know, that stuff is not, I say that stuff, but that history is not old. Like, that was around in my grandmother's time. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, mother was born in 69. Like, that stuff is fresh off the books of, hey, would this just end it? So I think sometimes that'll be a great historical conversation <laughs> that that comes. Um, in regards to how old that is. Um, besides, I guess, the title of political leadership, I don't think I have anything else in regards to their... Political leaders? <laughs> yeah. I... And we never find a perfect person. Of course not. Um, I think that we've got to get rid of political parties because these people aren't leaders in their own right. They're leaders following the agenda of their party. Very seldom do you find them break from their party. I, I don't want, I didn't elect a party. Right. I elected a person for what they were supposed to stand for. And then they get in office and their hands are tied. It's not always their fault, mm -hmm. but when you, when you deal with the devil to get into the building, <laughs> you're always going to have to pay the price. Right. I want to hit a couple more quotes from Kobe in regards to his overall leadership. On selling yourself, he says, be yourself. That's it. Be you. There is no gimmick. You don't have to contrive anything. Who are you? Where are you today? What is your story? And all you're doing in communicating that story to the public. Um, and I, I, I see where that references the leadership aspect. Because that means you're not afraid to um, 
what's the word, succumb to whatever else someone else's perception of or what you should be. If these are your values and what you're standing for, be yourself. Um, who exactly you are and standing up for that. Um, I, I enjoy the uh, one here on, on fear of failure. Um, because failure plays a major role in leadership. I do failure. Um, failure is what lets you know if you have what it takes to be an effective leader. The st- you mean the stamina? Mm-hmm. The- if you can withstand that. Because it lets you know. Because failure is going to happen in in many different forms. And I think here's something that I I have found helps escalate or instill that. Mm-hmm. Anymore today, we're not honest with people. When you have a review or an appraisal or even just a disciplinary conversation, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's, but you're okay. It's all right. Or why why was I not promoted? Yeah. It's skirted a lot. The best thing that you can do for that person is be honest with them. Does, is it hard to deliver? Yeah, just as hard as it is sometimes to take. But if you don't give truthful information to that person... You're contributing to their lack of leadership. They can't develop because yeah. they've been given a false narrative mm-hmm. of what to do. And it's your fault. And and that's right. If yeah. they never become promotable and they get mad and they leave, that is your fault. Yeah. If Now, if you've given them real information, this is what you need to do in the eyes of this team to be escalated into that position and then they still don't do it. That's their fault. But if you don't give it to them, it that's bad leadership. Yeah. Um, on the field failure, Kobe says, you've got to step up and play, man. You can't worry about criticism. You can't worry about failure. You really can't worry about that stuff. You've got to go out and figure that out and play and do the best you can. And whatever happens, happens. You can't be held captive by fear, by the fear of failure or the fear of what people may say. I, I enjoy that one because, you know, even though he's referencing a game, that plays into your professional career. That plays into you taking positions that you may think you're not qualified for. Um, may even be for experiences that you think you're not capable of doing. Um that's what lets you know your next level of achievement as far as leadership goes. Mm-hmm. And especially for someone who loves development, um, the fear of failure is is really, it's truly impactful to say, can you withstand and go to the next stage? Because it's coming. It's coming. You're going to have to deliver failure to someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got eight essential qualities that define great leadership. Um This article starts out by saying company leaders are facing a crisis. Nearly one-third of employees don't trust management. Mm, In addition to this, yep, employers now have to cater to the needs of the millennial generation. Love us. On average, (laughs) after graduating from college, a millennial will change jobs 
four times before they are 32. Yeah, I will pick up my life and move so quick. Most of them don't feel empowered on their current jobs. Now, now I feel like that's a different conversation because, you know, I, sometimes there's a fight between who you have already in place that comes from a different professional background of how the organization should operate and millennials who try to switch the game up because the reality of it is your millennials and a whole different conversation <laughs> your millennials fit modern age modern time they're very valuable and innovative but we have understood that what worked then does not work now from our perspective and how society is in the digital age. So we don't see it. And you have previous professionals who don't understand why you don't see it. And so they show no effort to, one, understand where you're coming from, and two, show you as to why this is what it was done. Right. So, yeah, whole different conversation. Well, <laughs> it is clear that many leaders are failing to foster a sense of trust and loyalty in their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, Managers who show great leadership qualities can inspire their teams to accomplish amazing things. I had a boss one in, in hotel business. I wanted to leave one hotel and go to another. And at first it was going to be a pay cut. It ended up not being a pay cut. But she was very honest with me. She said, listen, things are a shit show right now. But I promise if you stay with me, we will get through this. She was so upfront with me. Interview. And I took that trust, and I ran with it, and it gave me great skills. She was an excellent leader. She would not only, and I take this leadership style with me, you can't just tell somebody that they're doing something wrong. You need to explain to them why it's wrong, what we do to make it right, and why. And she did that for me. So a lot of the things, especially transitioning into hospitality, I got all of that. Hey, this is what you're going to do. Here's why you're going to do it. Here's why we don't do it this way and the result. Love it. Can you learn from a bad leader? Ooh, you can. Depends on what, though. I, I'm i a big advocate that says you can mm-hmm. as long as you are strong in your own good leadership skills. Because you have to be able to see what they did wrong. Well, and as I said earlier, you know, we... You want him out of our backyard, then we have to outthink him. Mm-hmm. And that what he was the worst manager I ever had. He denied me that job on multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it was on a discriminating basis. And can you go, and you know what, guys, you can always run and squeal discrimination. Is that going to get you what you want? No, because you don't ever want to be put in a position because you force your way in. You want to be in a position because you're the best person for it. Correct. And if that company never, ever sees it, go to another company. It's kind of like we talked about, you know, there's a hundred other places out there. (laughs) Correct. I could leave today and have a job by Friday. Exactly. (laughs) But if you're tough and you're strong, and I was, Mm -hmm. and this is why I became a strong leader. He is not going to get the best of me. Right. And I made it and pushed it. And the, and the hotel business back then it was even more 
of a male-dominated mm-hmm. industry than it is now. Right. But I'm, I'm like, bullshit. He is not going to get the best of me. And I put everything into it. I did everything that I could. I trained two managers over me until finally a manager said, why aren't we promoting her? She's already done. And that's how I got my chance. And so he was outvoted. Mm. So I believe you can learn from a bad manager. You learn to outdo them. Learn to outdo them. I think, so with bad management or manager or bad leader, are there specific characteristics that they exhibit? Bad leaders? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that we can identify that may have put them in that leadership position. So, <laughs> give me this look like a... Kissing ass is the first way a lot of people <laughs> get up there. That's not a leadership skill. That, to me, is um, it's just a way to climb the ladder. Okay. Hmm. And we have a lot of leaders in place because they kissed ass. Absolutely. Okay. Just thinking about our bad <laughs> leaders and their characteristics that make them leaders. Uh, they can out-talk other people. Hmm. I think that they can portray, they can not portray, um, have some of the good traits of a great leader. But more often than not, I think they've manipulated those traits. Because let's go through these um, characteristics of a great leader and talk about the negative part of it. Sincere enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. True enthusiasm for a business, its products, and its mission cannot be faked. Employees, and they do, can recognize insincere cheerleading and passion um, from a mile away. But when leaders are sincerely enthusiastic and passionate, that's contagious. Mm. Um, so if you are just playing a game, eventually you're called out on it. You can't you can't stay positive every day unless that's a trait that you have taken on. Absolutely. So I'll talk think about these bad leaders who come across that woohoo, this is a great thing. Right. But then you get in a meeting and it's all about me. Woo. And and I've dealt with that recently where, you know, one is just way out there, enthusiastic, and then took credit along with me on something I've been touting for weeks and weeks. Right. It came about that we would try this. And I just saw in a in a correspondence that she and I suggested this. Mm. Now, that to me is a bad leader. Right. Not the characteristics that we want. And, and you can be enthusiastic, but sometimes there's over-enthusiasm. Right. I don't trust you if you're over-enthusiastic. Right. You got to be down the middle so that I trust you. Mm. So I'd like to wrap up with this. 
Oh, wait, I got to get through these other characteristics. Hey, you're late, bro. You know how long we've been doing this? Okay, number two, <laughs> integrity. I, because I think it's important that these no, of come course, out there. yes, yes, yes. Um, great communication skills, and you're going to find we've talked about almost all of these throughout tonight. Man, let me tell you something. As cliche as that statement is, when I tell you, being able to communicate is really top tier, and communication has multiple components. But for me, I tell you, the biggest part of my leadership with communication is being able to articulate. You'd be surprised how much articulation plays a part, even into regular society. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, when I left Chattanooga and went back to Atlanta, uh, my latter years of grade school, oh, those kids were, we can tell you're not from here. You don't talk like us. And I <laughs> responded, is it because I use my words? You'd be surprised how that impacts your, because I was, I would say I was a leader even at that point when I transitioned just because of the way I was able to speak. Did not speak like the rest of them. But who taught you how to speak that way? I had a great mother mm -hmm. who said, use your words. Um, and I will be very blessed to say I had great educators. I definitely, my senior high school, now that incident was before senior year, but I had a, an educator. He wouldn't let you continue a sentence. Stop right there. What did you say? Was how he would respond. He would not let you continue without properly articulating your words. And I, I, I mean, I had it up until I left high school. So it really sounds cliche, but how you speak, and don't let it fool you. You know, I have a good time on the podcast and let, <laughs> let my urban language slip out sometimes. <laughs> but when I need to, I maintain my position and how I maintain my vernacular to speak to you. That takes you a long way. Oh, it, it, especially if you have to relay incidents to people um, to defend yourself or defend someone else mm -hmm. or to give direction because like this says leaders must motivate, instruct, and discipline the people they are in charge of. Mm. They can accomplish none of these things if they're not skilled communicators. Yes. Then we've got loyalty. The best leaders understand that true loyalty is reciprocal. Because of this, they express that loyalty is in tangible ways that benefit the member of their teams. So um, loyalty, I don't think we discussed too much of that. Well, no, we did. You did with Kobe mm -hmm. um, and his team. Decisiveness, a good leader isn't simply empowered to make decisions due to their position. They are willing to take on the risk of decision making. Sometimes you stick your ne neck out. That's that failure thing. You can't be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. And we don't develop that. We say, oh, it's okay to make a mistake. And then we turn around and slap him in the back of the head. What are you doing? Right. Um, and I, thinking about what you said about use your words, I think that if we go back to that type of raising, that type of development, you'd have less violence in the Man. world. How you speak to people. My mother would tell me, that's not how you speak to someone. That tone, that language combined, that's not it. Restructure it. That's what she would tell me. But she's right. Mm -hmm. um, number five is, um, let's see, we just did decisiveness. Managerial competence. <laughs> now that's funny. But it's real. Too many organizations try to create leaders from people who are simply good at their jobs. 
Boom. To be clear, those who emerge as being very good workers often have important qualities. They are the ones who have a strong understanding of the company's products and services. They understand company goals, processes, and procedures. All of these are important. On the other hand, being good at one's job does not prove that someone possesses the other competencies they need to inspire, motivate, mentor, and direct. That's it. We've pretty much nailed that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Empowerment. A good leader has faith in their ability to train and develop the employees under them. Because of this, they have a willingness to empower those they lead to act autonomously. That's And that's my big... I always believe in that. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is charisma. Simply put, people are more likely to follow the lead of those they like. The best leaders are well-spoken. There we go. Use your words. Yep. Approachable and friendly. They show sincere care for others. People at all levels of an organization find it easy to relate to them and follow their lead. Awesome. So those are the eight characteristics of great leaders. And I think that we have definitely, what's the word, reinforced that with their discussion and examples tonight. Awesome. Absolutely. I wanted to end with this. This is the last um, quote uh, by Kobe on his leadership with guarding uh, on raising his daughter, Gianna. Uh, the best thing that happens, and, and we I mentioned this earlier, the best thing that happens is when we go out and fans would come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, you've got to have a boy. You've got to have somebody to carry on your tradition, your legacy. She goes, oi, I got this. Don't need no boy for that. I'm And Kobe responds, I'm like, that's right. Yes, you do. You've got this. I think that's important for leadership because leadership is also supporting others to be mm-hmm. to be the best that they can be, to mm-hmm. also support them in their future endeavors and leadership. Um, to me, that's probably one of the top tier traits you can have to show that it's not just about me. It's the fact that I can support you and I need you to go to this next level of leadership as well. You, I mean, that, that lets me know off the bat what type of leader you are and what you're trying yep. to represent. Well, that's like we talked about early, earlier. Good leaders train and develop their people so that they can go and be, do something somewhere else. But it's also a good leader who has done that because your people don't want to leave. Right. Wow. Listen, um, it's been awesome discussing leadership. And I, I mean, we touched three areas. I'm sure there are many more that we can have a conversation on. Um, thanks for bearing with us for this good hour and a half. We usually don't go this long, but, uh, this was important. Well, we wanted to do right by Kobe and, and the others. his, um, other group that was in that helicopter. That was a very horrific, horrific thing to happen. And it's amazing how that's touched globally. Right. Um, leadership touches a lot of aspects in our lives as we've established tonight you know what are the things we can do during our educational years do we ever stop learning about that can everybody be developed you know what send us your comments send us your suggestions hey you know what we're here to talk comments um email if i need to 
reach social media, all of that. We want to make sure that we have you guys' perspective as well. And let's even talk about some circumstances that you've experienced regarding leadership. First-hand experience can often be the best story in itself to oh, kind of point out. we would love to hear your horrible horror stories yeah. with leadership, as well as who is your mentors? Who were your great leaders in your life that helped you get through? Absolutely. Um, so, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, all of that, and www.com. The, the Real, Real Solution, Solution Podcast. Podcast. Com. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time on The Real Solution Podcast. Bye. Bye.